Let's get ready to rumble! Hello and welcome to Netflix vs Cinema, the show that is worrying whether we are now just a gruesome twosome and not, not a terrific three anymore, because we have had contact. Oh, anyway, sorry. If I get ahead of myself, my name is Tosin. I am the host of the show, and I am co- I am based in the UK in the Midlands. And joining me on the Isle of Wight, as always, is Sharon. Hello. And not joining us on the Isle of Wight is Sean, who we have had contact with. We had contact from him, but he is in Thailand. He is going around on the back of motorcycle taxis. He's having a whale of a time, and he's not coming back anytime soon. No. He's not coming back anytime soon. Although, knowing sure for what he is, when we eventually do speak to him again, he will probably be an expert on Thai cinema. Because yeah. <laughs> he did, he does go and watch it, even if it's dubbed or in the wrong language or whatever. He'll go and watch it anyway. So, yep, he'll go, he'll he's, watch he's it. He's seen more films than we have. Yeah, probably, probably. Uh, to, to see things in Thai cinemas, assuming that they're open, because God knows what's happening around the world with this new yeah, I've Omicron. Yeah, I've been up to date with my. John Hopkins University stuff. Are you, they've changed their layout, so I stopped looking at it as frequently. Yeah, and also the the fact is, I mean, I, well, you hope that there's going to be a way to carry on and sort of like some of the things that we've gotten back, obviously for us, cinema, that we've gotten back. We hope oh, yeah. that there's a way to carry on without having to shut it down again. Although I don't have that much faith in the British people or the British public, or is it that I do have faith in the British public to just not do things that would work? <laughs> to, to, I, essentially, I do not have faith in the British public to help stop the flow, the spread of Omicron. No. So, so I'm thinking that it, this was, this was, I mean, this, if, if cinemas shut down because of something called Omicron, this will sound even more like an apocalyptic end, end times movie than the first one did. <laughs> the first yeah. lockdown Omicron did. has taken us down. Okay. It's an Omicron has taken us down. Optimus Prime has shown up to, yeah. to help us stop Omicron. <laughs> but, but yes, anyway, until that time happens when cinemas will shut down again, which I've, if, with, my, with my biggest optimist hat on, I kind of just think that that's going to happen. So well, let's just let's just enjoy it while we have it. But okay. until until that time, what have you seen this week, Jared? At the cinema, I went to see Resident Evil. Welcome to Raccoon City, I think it's called. Welcome to Raccoon City. Welcome it's to got Omicron an it's City. got a subtitle thing, hasn't it? So it's Resident Evil. Blah. Welcome to Raccoon City. To Back to to, just... to differentiate this from all the other Resident Evils that have been made, starring Mila Jovovich. Yes, it's an, a whole new reimagining of it and i've also seen on sky cinema a film called riders of justice riders of justice raccoon city which is what i'm calling that for short and riders of justice and i um in cinemas i saw the film boxing day which is a christmas movie yeah so like a christmas movie directed directed by stein amil aming um, who well, well, he was he was a lead in in in, in this Elba's directorial debut called Yardi, and he was yeah, in kid, I... yeah, kid adulthood and stuff. So he's he's and he's going to the point where he can actually make a directorial debut. So it's yeah, it's pretty cool Boxing Day. And at home, I saw essentially this week what I've done is that I've been I've been going to see genre films that are not usually known for um, highlighting black people. That, but this time around, are highlighting black people. Yeah, so, you got. 
<laughs> so I got I got a Christmas movie and a Western. So Christmas movie, Boxing Day, and a Western, The Harder They Fall on Netflix. So with the best will in the world, I do not think I can call Resident Evil a big release of the week. So by default, that makes Boxing Day the bigger release of the week. <laughs> Just by default, that's 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 where it works. It makes that the box that makes that the big release of the week. So I'm going to so let's kick off with Boxing Day. I'm going to kick off with Boxing Day and say what what um, that's about. So as I said, this is a Christmas movie, and I'm going to come straight from the bat and say it is nothing um, major. It's nothing groundbreaking or anything like that. It is probably a cut above the Hallmark movies, and the you know it's definitely a cut above the Hallmark movie and and definitely all those ones that you see on Channel 5 and that, you know, Netflix have started making at Infinitum. Mm-hmm. So it's it's definitely a cut above those. But it's uh, but the difference now is that it focuses on a black family. It focuses on a black, and essentially the entire principal cast for this is black. The idea British, being... isn't it? Black British. Black British. Well, not all of yeah. them are British because not the whole... Them. Not all of them are British because the idea is that... Um, hang on a second... Let me set up a timer because when I was editing this thing last week, I was like, oh, man, we spoke for a long time about some of these films. <laughs> it's like we, we just we just didn't stop talking. We just went off. Went off one. All right. So the idea is that you have a character called Melvin and it kicks off with Melvin. And he is a Melvin is uh, he used to be a soap actor. He moved to America and he's become an author. So when you, when you, the film kicks off, he is um, he's written his first book and he's he's on the the promotional trail for the first book. You get to meet him and you meet his American girlfriend. So uh, so Melvin is a British a black British guy who's moved over to America. He has an American girlfriend who he proposes to, and when he proposes to her, the first thing she does is throw up. <laughs> Even though he has he has this like he has like uh, he, she she arrives back at the LA pad and there's roses on the floor there's a band playing behind him there's a massive sign saying marry me he's singing into a microphone he has a glass of champagne for her says will you marry me and then she throws up and it turns out that it turns out that she's pregnant but she hasn't told him because he has always expressed that he doesn't want kids. Now, his, his book publicist says, look, you're from London and I've booked you into a big show in London to go promote the book. He's like, I don't want to go back to London. I do not want to go back to London. Definitely know at Christmas because obviously there's, it's Christmas. Therefore, there's drama happening back home with his family and all that. He goes back to London. He takes his girlfriend in tow. And because he's asked her to marry him, he's like, uh, she's, like, she's like, look, I want to meet your parents. I want to meet your family. And so you get to meet this, when they go back to London, you get to meet the family, you get to see this whole thing, you get to see his sister, his younger brother, his mom, and, and there's, when I talk about this being like, you know, a Christmas movie that just happens to have a, a majority black cast, there's elements of something like Love Actually in this, even in the trailer for this, there's a bit that very obviously apes Love Actually, where ev- pretty much everybody has their own subplots, like everybody has their own thing that going on. The big one for him is that his sister is now working as the assistant to a to a, a music star. She's she has a Christmas number one, and she used to be his girlfriend. His his so it's his ex girlfriend. He he when he let when he escaped London, he dumped her, and it's kind of like unresolved. And the whole family is like, okay, what the hell was that all about? When are you gonna come back? And there's this whole thing where he's bringing back a a a, a, a fiance, but there's this unresolved stuff with his um with his ex-girlfriend that everybody goes oh my god you're an idiot why did you dump her she's gorgeous she was the perfect person for you and so that that's playing in the whole film but you also have the fact that his mum 
So the reason he left home had something to do with his mom and dad breaking up. And his mom has, for the last two years, they don't know that she's been in a relationship or anything like that, but she now has a white boyfriend. And that has some sort of issues with that. And then his younger, his younger brother is, has a girl that he, he's trying to get. And so there's a little bit of love actually in it, in that you have all these different love stories going up and down the whole place. But they, the, but the, the focus is very much on like, you know, black British. It's very much on black British. So I quite like this. I quite like this. I thought it was, I thought it was, well done even though i felt it had way too much on its mind it had and there are scenes in this film where you feel like i feel like they had a much longer film and there was so much he had to say and so much he wanted to explore that he put everything into the film and then they realized that the film is just way too long and so they just like chopping scenes and cutting them up because there's one particular scene where somebody goes to a hotel room to call somebody else and then they leave the hotel room and the next shot they're by a swimming pool so i'm thinking okay so you're in a hotel you went to the person's room, called them from the hotel room. They went down the lift into the swimming pool, sat down for two minutes to have a chat, and somebody got up and walked away again. Don't worry, I'm still here. And <laughs> and and it's things like that that I'm like, why on earth would you do that? And it just made me feel like there were longer stories. They story- chopped out a few bits just to make the cut. They, well, they chopped out a few bits, but also I think it was a film that just had way too much. It's not just sort of like a straightforward Christmas movie because you have... Um, I mean, the, the, the love triangle at the center of it, that would be enough to carry a film. But yeah. then everybody has their own little thing that's going on over the side. And this is going on. And then there's the fact about his father actually feels like he messed up when he, like, when he left his mother. And his mother has this whole thing with a white boyfriend. And is trying to talk about why bringing a white boyfriend home to a black family would be a problem. And, and then there's, there's, there's things because they're, from, they're a family of Jamaican heritage. And then there's little bits of like Jamaican heritage. And then they're talking about the, there's... The, all these scenes where they have um like the family back home so they have the family back home and his uh, he his ex-girlfriend she's she's uh her, her mother's white her dad's nigerian and it's and there's all these things in there that you can see they're just being hinted at and i think the scenes where they have the family together are the scenes that work the best in the film though those are the scenes where being black myself i was watching them going ha, 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 yeah that's right the fact that there's this is this is it's it's a silly thing, right? It's a silly thing, but it's kind of like you know when you talk about representation. There's a bit where they have a close up of a plate of plantain, and a, a plate of fl- fried plantain, which is something that I think across definitely West Africa and definitely across the Caribbean is like a staple dish. And I was just kind of like, I have never seen a plate plate of plantain that big on a cinema screen before in my <laughs> life. And it's, it's, it's little things like that that make you go, huh, maybe there is something to this representation thing. Because right now I'm feeling seen that they have a, a massive plate of plantain up on the screen. And, and so those scenes where they have all the family together, those are the scenes that sing. They're the things that fly back and forth where they're talking about the difference between Africans and Caribbeans and all that kind of stuff and the kind of needle that is in there and everybody's just joshing about. And those films, they, they feel like, they feel like, you know, you, you're, you are, you are peeking in or you're eavesdropping in on an actual family Christmas. And I think those bits are brilliant, but those bits, they don't really join up to other things that happen in the film. And then there's things that happen that is, why is this happening? Because reasons. Like in the love triangle, the women, the first time they meet, they don't realize who each of, each of them are and they get on quite well. But then they become mean and just start sniping at each other because they're after the same man. And I'm kind of like, that, what? why did you do that? And then there's something, there's one particular incident that happens in the film that I think is just stupid. I'm like, why are you, 
no, why would you do that? That the only reason you I'm now beginning to sound like Sean here, but it's it's kind of like I'm like, why would you do that? The only reason you would do that is to create some drama for the final third of the film, which it, it no no that doesn't make sense. That doesn't ring true. Yeah, so. Yeah, 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 don't need it. But it's because it's almost as if like, oh, well, we've seen Christmas movies, and Christmas movies must do this, 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 and the other. Therefore, we must do this, 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 and the other, but with a black cast. And <laughs> so I quite liked, I love the representation bit of it. I love the family scenes in it. The plot itself and the way it holds together, you're kind of like, meh, yeah, seen it before. It's nothing much to write home about. But the fact that it's actually it's representing an element of Christmas that you don't you don't get to see like the because I think the family are actually Jehovah's Witnesses as well so they don't they don't celebrate holidays so there's 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 a lot that they're trying to get done in this film but I, and it could be seen through the lens of they're just trying to show a a real window on the world but plot wise it's a it's a bit woolly and it's a bit all over the place and and time for Tosin's obscure peeve <laughs> Tosin's obscure peeve that usually has to do with Nigerians. So the fact is, the character that is that is the ex-girlfriend character who's become a big music star is played by Leanne Pinnock of Little Mix fame. She, um, she's essentially the black one in Little Mix, and her her name is Georgia. And I will pronounce this last name properly because nobody in the film does. Folorunsho, that is the way you say it. Folorunsho, but the first couple of times they say this name in the film, I'm like, what the hell? I, Are you I, yeah. No, I actually thought it was a name of South, um, South American origin because they pronounced it like Folorinze. And I was like, what do you mean Folorinze? Folorinze? What, for, I was like, what, what is that? What kind of name is that? Then I realized, oh my God, they're saying Folorinze. About the third time they said it, I was like, they're saying Folorinze. Her dad's supposed to be Nigerian. Then, she, then later on, they show her dad and her dad is supposed to be Nigerian. And I'm like, oh, good Lord. You got so many things right. <laughs> You, you you got all so many things right. It looks like you got all the Jamaican stuff right. You could have found one person to pronounce the last name right. I mean, even if you just had a scene where the dad turned around and got, it's not Folorinze, it's Folorunsho. Even if you had one scene <laughs> like that, I was just kind of like, that because that is what a Yoruba man would do. He would correct everybody who's pronouncing his name wrong. But that was my that was my one real peeve about it. But all in all, I, I enjoyed it. I'll give it a three out of five. Uh, it's a cut above for your Christmas movies. So... That is, even though I put a timer on, I did. I'm pretty. Sure I, well, I definitely went over <laughs> because because I had to get my pet peeve rant in there about something. But um, Boxing Day, I think that um, it would be good. Uh, let's say, like for instance, someone like Sean. Sean likes seeing different cultures that are not his own. I think he yeah. would like it from that point of view. But um, as a Christmas movie, yeah, it's a good Christmas movie. It's a Christmas, good Christmas movie, and it's not as cynical as a Hallmark movie. So we now leave cinema and we go over to. First of all, any questions about that, Sharon? No. Okay. No. I've seen the trailer, so I've got an idea of what it was about. Yeah, it's one of those films where you've seen the trailer, you've pretty much seen the film. You yeah. <laughs> you pretty much know how it's going to play out. So, um, right. Uh, now we go over to... Uh, was this Sky Cinema? You said you saw something called That's Writers Sky of Cinema, Justice. Yeah. Sky Cinema, yeah. Oh. So Sky Cinema, Writers of Justice. Tell us what it's all about. Writers of Justice is a Danish film. Ooh. And it, oh yeah, I remember now. <laughs> it, the The main actor in it is Mads Mikkelsen. Oh, yes, yes, I remember now. <laughs> for, for for anybody listening to this, for anybody listening to this who who hasn't listened to any of our shows before, Sharon has a definite, definite Mads Mikkelsen thing. <laughs> it's a thing. It happens. <laughs> uh, so it's not. It's it's quite tricky to actually explain the film because it's got a couple of themes running through it. 
Yeah. But one of the feel, one of the, the main themes of the story, which draws all the characters together, is the idea of coincidence. Now, okay. is a coincidence is a coincidence a coincidence, or is it a sequence of events that are essentially predictable, and therefore it's not fate; it's mathematics. Okay. And so there, there's two camps in this film. There's Mads Mikkelsen is a, a serving. Um, officer in the the Danish army and he's been we presume it's Afghanistan you see him in somewhere sort of hot with sort of desert camo on at the beginning of the film and his wife and his daughter are at home in Denmark and then there is another group of these three friends who are all scientists and they specialize in different fields one of them is like a genius hacker one of these is all about the maths and he's worked out this algorithm that has taken, you know, like two years to work out an algorithm that predicts seemingly random events, but you can actually calculate, you know, these outcomes. And his idea is that by looking at these past events and looking for trends in them, you can then predict the future of some trends yep. because you have enough. Often you you don't have enough evidence to see, see where something came from, but the more evidence you can gather, the more clearly you can see paths and if you can see paths then you can start predicting and um that doesn't go down well with his bosses <laughs> so he's actually fired and so you these two groups of people uh, Mads Mikkelsen's family and these three groups of men are drawn together by this seemingly random event and it all starts off with the theft of a bicycle and this bicycle stolen and because this bicycle is stolen Mads Mikkelsen and his daughter no, Mad's daughter and his wife are then gonna have gonna have to drive instead of her riding her bike because it's been stolen. And then their car breaks down. So they decide to go have a day in the city and then go on the train. And at the same time as they go on the train, the man who's just lost his job because he's worked out this algorithm that his bosses essentially think is useless, he's on the same train. And also traveling on the same train is a chap who's in witness protection testifying against a local gang called the Riders of Justice. And this train crashes, killing a number of people. It's not a spoiler, but one of whom is Mad's wife. And the only reason she's in one of the fatal seats is our scientist guy gives up his seat because he's been taught as a young boy, you always give your seat up to a woman. So he was sat down, he saw a woman comes in and said, oh, please take my seat. She's therefore killed and he survives. Now, because of his brain works mathematically, he's saying these events aren't random. Yeah. There is a pattern. We just have to work out the pattern. And he believes he's worked out the pattern that because this guy is testifying against this gang, then obviously the gang are responsible for creating this, this crane crash to make it look like an accident. And therefore, these people are responsible for this act that killed Mad's wife. Yeah. So, Mad, so he goes to Mads and says, I know who killed your wife because of this event. The police don't believe me. We've got to do something. And that sets Mads on this trail of vengeance. Taken. I've got a very, I've got a very, very particular set of skills. How do you say that in Danish? In Danish, it's, yeah. <laughs> but and then so he has this sort of weird group of chums around him. He has like these three scientists who are sort of completely crazy <laughs> in their own different ways because they've all got all the baggage. He ends up with a rent boy, don't ask me how, and, <laughs> and his teenage daughter and his teenage daughter's boyfriend. So between them, they sort of become this sort of strange 
um, mixture of, of people. And meanwhile, sort of, yeah, they try to seek to take down this sort of biker gang. <laughs> okay, so so what's what's the philosophical, what's the philosophical slash thriller mix in this? It's interesting actually because it it takes it I think a step higher than your average you know shoot everyone with no consequences. Yeah. It does look at because one of the themes running through this is actually trauma and how you deal with trauma. Yeah. And each of the people in their own different way have their own different traumas that they're experiencing and how they work through it. Yeah. And um, like some people like through Shakespeare, it's violent catharsis, they call it. It's like that release of that tension through violence. And that's Madsen's character. And other characters have different ways where they process trauma. And so they deal with, they do see, take, the violence is done in like a, everyone is in shot all over the place. And yeah. there's humor in it. There's, um, there's a really black humor, but in the heart of it is this sort of thinking, well, actually, yeah, we have all these things. It's fun and it looks great using violence to solve all our problems, but there are consequences. And so it doesn't shy away from that either. So uh, in that regard, it had it has a it had yeah, good action. Mads does his thing, you know, <laughs> lock and load and all that. So he does his thing as only he can. Um, if you ask me. Yeah, well, and, well, um, <laughs> so it it works. To me it worked. Well, the thing about him is that because he he has done action hero. I mean, most noticeably yeah. in Polar. Yeah, yeah. So he has that actually. He doesn't do it often. But uh, also, I think if this, if this was just like you know a straight up action action movie, um, I think I would be a bit disappointed if because it's Danish. You expect something a bit different and a bit weird yeah. from Danish from Denmark. So <laughs> so uh, so yeah. Uh, okay. No. So so that's that's good. How many stars would you give it? I'd give it a four, actually. Ooh. I thought it was well constructed. It was, it's very sweary, and it's always a bit disconcerting when you're reading them swearing, because one of them's <laughs> almost like Tourette's in his outburst. And so you're reading, oh, you're thinking, because <laughs> I'm one of these people who are almost like self-censors things, where yep. I sort of, if I see a word that I don't want to read or say, I will just substitute an inoffensive word for it. Yeah, so yeah. sometimes I would choose the most ridiculous word I can think of to take all that anger out yeah. so sometimes i will go old oh, flippity gibbet instead of you know oh blah 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 because to me i find that funny <laughs> so i think if you just replace those like really offensive words if you just put something else in there then you think this is how ridiculous it probably does sound if you really swear a lot and so <laughs> i would just be reading old oh, flippity gibbet and jiminy cricket and oh all... yeah <laughs> all that all that but yeah so it's quite difficult but it's very slow but i i enjoyed it i thought it was funny and in places really sad in other places and yeah poignant in a way that you wouldn't expect from a uh, an action film so i thought it did really well and i thought it's just really well done all right and um yeah it wasn't as predictable as you probably might think it would be given the fact that it's an action thriller with Mads nicholson in his gun-toting vest so yeah i would say it's four a four Good stuff. Sorry, sorry. Breaking news. Breaking news. I have just gotten an email from Odeon Cinemas talking about important government guidelines updates. Literally came through. You might have heard this out. It literally came through as... Yeah, the thing. Yeah, you might have I've heard been contacted thing. by Cineworld to say, wear your mask. Yeah, in, line with, in line with I government... Yeah, in line, yeah, same here, same here. 
In line with government guidelines from 10th of December, face coverings will be mandatory in our cinemas in England, except for when you're eating or drinking. Please note, you're not required to provide your COVID status while visiting cinemas in England. The safety and well-being of our guests and cinema teams remains our priority. You can find out more about safety measures on the Safer Cinemas page. We hope to see you in one of our cinemas soon. So they're, That's they're, more or less word for word what Cineworld <laughs> sent to me this afternoon. They're, they're hoping, they're hoping, and I hope that their hope is, well, I I hope the hope is not misplaced, even though they, they let me put it this way, they are more um, enthusiastic, they are more optimistic than I am, but probably because they have to, because their business relies on it. Yeah. So, but I've so, been wearing, I've got in the habit though, if I'm, if I'm upright, I wear a mask if I'm inside a building, and yeah. if I'm in a, you know, if I'm outside, if I can reach out my arms and I can touch anyone, I wear a mask. Yeah. But yeah basically, I, I'm like mask safe anyway. I, I essentially go with the whole thing of if I'm in an area where I can control how far away I am from people, then so if I go into the shop, every now and then I'll forget my mask and I, I, I won't freak out about it. I'll just go in there and I'll do my shopping and I'll get out of there soon as well because I can control how far away you are from me. But if, if I'm in a cinema where things might be swirling around and people are going to be, I'm like, I'm putting this mask on. I don't care if none of you are. I'm putting my mask on. So, so yeah. So, for me, nothing will change until the cinemas get shut. I'm sorry. I would rather just prepare for disappointment and have it not happen than hope and then have my hopes yep. dashed. <laughs> but thank you very much for that. Four stars for a film starring Matt Mickelson. I, you know, I actually think if you... If we went back through all the films that we have rated, and if <laughs> and if we if we decide if we decided okay, you know what, let's try and find out who which actor or actress uh, has like you know the highest hit rate, like has the best quality films. I think Mads Mikkelsen will be pretty high up there. Yeah, I, I think yeah, even be... things like Polar, I've probably thought, oh, you know, I'll get the four. Yeah, because usually if a film has Mads Mikkelsen in it, you are the one who has, <laughs> you're the I've one who has it. reviewed it, and the other one is going to say, yeah, Mads Mikkelsen, yeah, 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 he's all right, yeah. <laughs> so he was in that one. What was the one where they could hear that you can hear people's voice uh, their voice? Oh, voice. oh, the uh, the one with all the boys, and there was only one girl there. Yeah, chaos, chaos walking. Chaos walking. He was in that, and I, I think that was probably his lowest rated film I've given him in recent. I think I gave that one a three, if I remember. Uh, he was in al that. Although I'll tell you, there are some films coming up that are that I personally think are really going to hit his quality rate, and those uh -oh. those are the Fantastic Beasts movies. Uh, they, I think, yes, they're going. He's taken over. Has he taken over one of the major roles? He's taken over the role of Grindelwald from Johnny Depp. He's taken over the role of Grindelwald, and and people are trying. To, there, there's this, oh, there's this weird, um, discourse online. Now this weird. The narrative is that people are like, oh, the reason the Fantastic Beast films didn't work is because of Johnny Depp. Yeah, Johnny Depp, he was, oh, he was such a problematic character because his wife, um, and, and this, I'm not trying to play down the things that he was accused of with his wife. That's not what I'm trying to play down. I'm trying to play yeah. down this argument because I think it's stupid. That's the courts to decide whether he did or didn't do those things, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, but, but it's the, argu the argument that people are saying that the reasons the film didn't wor work is because Johnny Depp was in them. I'm like, no, the films didn't work because they were badly written. <laughs> they, were, they were badly written. Too darn long. Yeah, they were too darn long. There was stuff in them that didn't make any sense. And that is why the films didn't work. And I have no hope, no hope that that's going to change. In the, because it's the same writer, the same directors. And I'm like, the, the Fantastic Beast. The first one was all right. The second one was rubbish. And I expect this to carry on. And I think Matt Mickelson, 
hey, if Matt is going to get paid, I am all for it. Pay the man. But I'm not expecting those films to be any good. So let's move back to cinema and let's go to Resident Evil. Welcome to Raccoon City, which Sharon, you went to watch because there's nothing else on. So that, that was basically it. <laughs> I had to see something without Sean to, you know, pick up the slack. Yeah, with, with Sean, with Sean being in Thailand, swatting around on the back of a tuk-tuk, it's like we had to go pick up the slack and actually go to the cinema. Because so, on so, the way to the storm, I'd go. Okay, Sean, you better produce that like five <laughs> films that you've seen at some obscure cinema, you know, in the back streets of Bournemouth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so Resident Evil, Welcome to Raccoon City. Obviously, Resident Evil based on the video game. And tell us, did have they managed to make a video game movie that is worth our time? Well, I have to say from the get-go, I've only ever played... Well, I've never. Uh, to say I played it means I did take hold of the controller for a brief <laughs> period of time. So, if that technically counts as playing it, doesn't it? If I actually was holding the controller. If, if you've held the controller, you if you pressed something on the controller and it corresponded to something happening on the screen, I would say yes, you have played it. So technically, I have played the game. So it it wasn't for very long because I didn't play it for very long. Yeah. So. That my, uh, my, it's my, my only experience of the game is that sort of minute when I was watching the, the video game said, oh, can I have a go? And then, oh, I've died. Okay, you can have that back now. I don't ever want to play that <laughs> ever again. So from that experience, it did, that experience did correspond with what I saw on the screen. Because I played... <laughs> The bit I played was when they're wandering around in the mansion. You hear these zombies moaning and groaning. Then you'll have to go like mad and shoot everything. Yep. And then the lights will go out. Then you have to try to shoot everything in the dark with flashing lights going on. Or you get like a uh, lighter where you have yep. to light your way. I remember watching that bit and having a go briefly then. So okay. my own experience of the game was replicated on the screen. So that bit was in there. So the rest of it I've got no knowledge about. But... From what I gather, you know, you have your characters where they're all introduced. They have like a bit. Is it one of those ones where you have like a little filmy bit at the beginning where you introduce all the characters, then you choose your character? Yes, yes. For for it's what I got like that at the beginning yeah. where you all these characters pop up and say, "Hey, Jill Valentine," or "Hey, you're Leon what's his name," and yeah. so all of these characters are actually introduced early on, and they wear the clothes that were reminiscent of the film. So I gather from what I my experience, though limited, was this is very much. We love the, the video game. This is our inspiration. And so they haven't referenced the other films at all. Yeah, because the other, the other films took an, another attack where they introduced a fiction... Uh, well, I say a fictional character. They're all fictional. But they introduced a new character that wasn't in the video games. And yeah. that character sort of every now and then encountered some weird version of the characters from the video games. Yeah. This has gone, no, we are doing the video we game stories. Doing and the these... video game stories. So you have all these characters. You get a little bit of backstory for some of them and others you don't. And the way they're introduced, it would be like, ta-da, I'm producing a rabbit out of the hat. And this rabbit is this character that you know who looks like the character that you see on the screen, only they're real. So yeah. I get the feeling that whoever, whoever the people who are behind the film were, certainly were using the actual game for their That's That's what I hear. That's inspiration. what I hear. So it probably unfolds in a similar way that the game would do. So you have like this build-up where you get dropped a bit of information like, you know, People are acting raccoon. The Umbrella Corporation are pulling out of Raccoon City and they're beginning to shut everything down. The only people left are the poor or the 
the people who are like left behind to mop up the situation yeah. so you've got like a, a a handful of like police serving still you've got the odd waitress you've got your poor families and then you've got like security but the big boards who actually run umbrella corporation have gone and they've left the affluent parts of town largely deserted and the poorer parts of the town still largely inhabited yeah so one of the characters arrives in the town because her brother's there i forget her name don't worry something or other <laughs> but she's got a brother yeah he's a police officer and so and she has been in contact this is set in 1998 so presumably that is the year that the the, the original game was released yeah i think so yeah and i think that might be right has, yeah she has like this online i talk about online as if it's like this strange thing but you know i was talking to someone <laughs> and he was saying does, does anybody say world wide web at any point <laughs> <laughs> and so he she, he was saying there's something wrong you know they have poison steadily been poisoning the town and there's things going on here that you need to be aware of and then you start to see the hints of maybe like the people start randomly their eyes start bleeding and they start the hair starts falling out and it's and so you get this build up of we know bad things are going to happen and and it's happening now and then one of them who's sent to spy on the umbrella corporation to find out what they've been going on he's got this hacked tech system like a pager system almost which was saying you know raccoon city is going to be shut down at this time so you have to get in get your stuff and get out by this point yeah. so it all builds up to this crescendo of you know chaos un is unleashed and then our protagonists are fighting shooting screaming bleeding and dying through the rest of the film cool and That's it. The, and then the... there's they they encounter things you would expect to encounter like the zomb the groaning zombie people yep yep townsfolk going a bit mad um dogs that don't look very natural dobermans that look a little bit Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's a Resident Evil thing. Um, and a couple of mutanty type people that started off human but have been mutated by some. Oh, okay, so um, the two questions: number one is does the plot matter, and number two, how many stars would you give it? <laughs> oh, I don't think the plot matters at all. I think it's one of those films because I was thinking, how are we going to wind this up? Because it seems to be so much going on. But I think they're not because they're going to put it into a franchise, I would imagine, because the way they'll, it Yeah, they'll be hoping to, yeah. And, um, yeah, I say it was a three. I'll say it was completely done. It was what it was for what it was. And then I don't think you can ex probably expect more. You could expect a heck of a lot less than you got. So yeah. it's, uh, it's not a very high bar, but yeah, they, what they did, you know, perfectly competently. So it was yeah, entertaining. You got the zombies. You had the odd moment of tension where you're thinking, oh, what's going on here? Um, unexpected death, expected death, and <laughs> not a lot of humour, but it was there was enough to keep it. Keep yeah, it. yeah, because I remember watching one of the I I hadn't watched any of the original Resident movie movies, the Mila Jovovich ones, and I remember seeing one of them was probably Afterlife or something like that. I mean, after a while, they just ended up having these subtitles that meant nothing. I <laughs> you had absolutely no idea what film you were watching, and it's and. I, I I remember watching them and oh, oh no because I'd heard bad things about them all and I thought oh this it can't be that bad so I decided to watch one of them 
and it started off and I was like, oh yeah, this is all right. It's the one that starts off with this massive action sequence of a whole bunch of Alice's attacking the Umbrella Corporation. And I'm like, oh wow, this is actually a pretty, pretty good sequence. And then after that, the film just goes, it's like it's like dropping a lead weight into a into a pond. <laughs> and I remember, uh, the, I remember by the time I finished, the only word I could use for the film was risible. I was like, this is, this is just, oh my God, this is terrible. I did watch a few of those. I mean, I think I tried to watch them in order, but they just started coming thick and fast and they were like straight to DVD. And I got to the point where I just got lost in it and I thought, I actually don't know what's going on. <laughs> I, I couldn't I, work I, out who she really was in the end. I thought, is she really, is she a, what, what is she again? The plot was inconsequential. Let me, yeah, I I, I'm surprised they gave them enough money to make six films, but it's but hey, that's probably why I don't work in Hollywood because I I cannot I cannot I, I cannot abide. I cannot, yeah, it's like no, no, but that's absolute rubbish. Why are you making more of them? But anyway, so now we go on to a final film at the on Netflix, and this is this is actually on Netflix, and this is a film called The Harder They Fall, and I said this is a western, but with <laughs> black people, and this is. There have been a few of those before, though. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's not the first ever western yeah. with black people in it, but I, uh, but I think it should it should kind of tell you the reason why you have to make a Western with black people in it. Because this film starts off with a, a, a message on screen that says, this story is fictitious, but these people actually existed. So what it's done is kind of like, you know, like um, a bit like Alan Moore did with the League of Extra Extraordinary Gentlemen, where he's gone and he's taken all these different literary characters like um, Alan Quatermain and Mina yeah. Harker, and he's taken them and he's he's the Invisible Man, and he's put together. them into yeah. he's pushed them in together, and he's taken these characters that already existed and he's put them together and he's made a yarn out of it. Now this has done the same thing, but with actual black black cowboys and cow women who lived in the Old West yeah. and yeah, and who were actually alive at that time. So people like. Um, Nat Love, Nat Love existed, Rufus Buck existed. And you can go and look up on these people and you can see that they existed. But obviously their real lives bear absolutely no resemblance to what happens in this film. So so this I'm not even sure they were alive at the right at the same time. So this film is kind of like it's it's kind of like these people were pioneers. It's just it's almost uh, I think the thesis of this film is just to say people, black people existed in the old West. And it tells you the reason why this one has to... Because I remember the first time... I, there was a film made in the 90s by Mario Van Peebles. called Posse? Posse, yeah. Posse. And that was the whole thing that was about black cowboys. It was like yeah. the black black cowboy posse. And I remember watching the film and going, Oh, wow. Someone's imagination is running wild. Look at black cowboys. There were no black people in the Wild West. And that was my thought because everything I'd seen about the Wild West had been John Wayne movies and Clint Eastwood movies and all those John Ford Westerns and stuff. And none of them had any black people in them. <laughs> so even even up until the time when Unforgiven was made and had Morgan Freeman in it. And I thought, oh, yeah, the filmmakers are taking some real artistic license, putting a black cowboy in it. And that and. I still think that, generally speaking, most people do not realize that there were black people in the Old West and that they just think, well, there was slavery and then the Old West happened, but none of the black people made it there or did anything of note. And then they sort of showed up again in the 90, in, in 1900s or something like that. So, I, I, And I feel, uh, so that's why I think I, the, the, a film like this needs to exist. 
as far as the, as far as the storyline goes, this is just a very stylistic film. It's a ve- it's almost almost a style of a substance kind of thing. I would put it as a you know when you had um you had a John Wayne Western and you had your Rio Grandes and your Searchers and your the ones that are these are classics of the genres, but then you had some of the lesser John Wayne movies like the one about four brothers of something or other that it's just kind of Sons of Katie Elder. Yeah, yeah. Four Sons of Katie Elder, that's one. And it's and you know it's it's okay, it's good, but it's kind of like, you know, your standard cowboy movie that you would go see on a Saturday. This falls more into that sort of standard cowboy movie because mm-hmm. everything that happens in it is what you would expect to happen in a you know, in a Western, it's just that you have black people doing it. So there's a bit where they hold up a train to release somebody from prison. There's a bit where some people have done a heist and some other people go and rob them, like by, like, you know, they're riding into like a, into a, a canyon or a ravine or something. And these guys are on the shorts. And, and I, there's a lot of shots in this that you and Sean, being the Western buffs you are, could probably look at it and go, ooh, that's aping that shot from that film. That's aping yeah. that shot from that film. And there's bits where I feel like that. I feel like that's what they're doing. I just don't have enough knowledge of westerns to know what it is that they're what it is that. They're, so they, and it's set up where you have these two gangs, and the two gangs almost directly mirror each other. So both gangs have a sharpshooter. Both gangs have a woman in it who might may, who probably has something that's going on with the with the person who's in charge of the gang. So you have uh, Jonathan Majors on one side as Nat Love and Idris Elba on the other side as Rufus Buck. And it's a pretty straightforward revenge thing because the, the film kicks off and somebody comes in and kills this priest and his um, kills a priest and his wife, but leaves the son. And then years later, it leaves the son, but not before scratching something into the son's forehead. So essentially scarring him for life. And then years later, the son grows up and then the son is looking out and essentially going out to get all the people who killed his parents. That's pretty much the film. There's a standard no, revenge western then really it it's a standard a... standard revenge western but there's there's things like all the music in this is by black artists from mm. all manners of there's bits where they go sort of like reggae there's bits i'm like a western with reggae on the soundtrack now that's different there's bits where they go afro beats where they get like ofela fela nukulak bokuti who is one of my one of my favorite artists a nigerian guy and they have his music's in the trailer he actually shows up on the soundtrack as well and it's all these different things that you go this is a western this is stylish i love the way they're doing this like bits where they do like you know crash zoom crash zoom crash zoom but it's directed by a guy called james samuel who also does all the music and i love all these stylistic things but when you look at the final thing you're like it's a standard western like you know when you have these let me put it this way it's a kind of western where somebody's walking along the high the main street of a town and as people are coming out of room and uh, they're just walking down the main and people are coming out of saloons and they're just going shoot shoot and you're thinking hang on a second you're you're out in the open why would you do that yeah there's 15 different people they should shoot you why would you just walk right down the yeah (laughs) why would why would you just walk straight down the main thoroughfare and just shoot people left (laughs) and shoot people right and uh, it's got a great cast everybody in it is brilliant and the yeah, it, and there's a little, and they they don't shy away from the fact that these people are black. There's a bit where they go to a white town, and almost sort of like very symbolically, the entire town is white. And I mean, the set design is brilliant because the whole town, all the buildings are white. And they go into uh, a bank to rob a bank, and it's all white. And I'm like, okay, cool, we get what you're doing here. And the and even the bad guy in the film, his whole thing of why he's stealing all this money is because he wants to set up a place for black people because he's like, look. We have a place in this world. So even the even the bad guy has this 
kind of vision of I want to make a better place for black people and I will kill anybody to get it. So, so, so it's it's it, it's a good film, but I think it's pretty standard. It's pretty standard mm-hmm. Western fare. Nothing must write them about. The bigger thing that you would write them about in this film is the um is the style. Is the style, is the music, the performances, and just how damn cool everybody looks. <laughs> so just like, how damn cool everybody looks is, is what you'd say. That uh, so I really liked it. I would have to give it a three out of five though because I can't really give it more than that. I think it's standard Western fare with black people, yeah. which I'm all for. <laughs> so that gives us a three, Sharon. How what do you think has been like today? Who do you think has won, Netflix or cinema? I think uh, Netflix and Chums have Net- won this week. Netflix and Chums have won this week. This is this is this is really simple. This is really simple maths when we only have four films. <laughs> so <laughs> you're really simple maths. So yes, Netflix has won. Uh, thanks, thanks, obviously to Mads Mikkelsen Mads. and your love of Mads Mikkelsen. He is the he has given us the highest quality thing this week with four. So if we were going to say where to spend your money this week, because he rises up justice. Mads, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, just spending spend on Mads. Why not spending on Mads? Yeah. I mean, you don't. You might not need a close up of a massive plate of plantain in your life, but <laughs> but I do. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. So until next week, when oh, good. Well, I think next week we're having Spider Man No Way Home being released. I think that's on Wednesday next week. So we I don't might know when, not... when is West Side Story out? Ooh, West Side Story. Oh, oh, I've been hearing things about that. Uh, let's yeah. see. West Side I'm Story. I'm curious about things. that. I want to, is it, because I'm trying to get my head around it, because all the clips I've seen don't include much of the music. So is it the same music as the uh, the previous West Side Story, or have it, they done something different with the music? No, it is It is the same music as the West Side Story. They've just so, made it more, sort of, I don't know what the right term is. Gritty, realistic. It's gritty, realistic, and sort of more. They've they've tried to be a bit more sensitive with the casting. So yes. that if they have got like the the Puerto Ricans are actually played by uh, the Puerto Ricans are actually played by Hispanic people, if not or or if not actual Puerto Ricans. So it's it's uh, not just white people with yeah. fake tan. So <laughs> sort of like your your darkish, your do. That yes, sort of yes, yeah. that that sort of thing. It is um. Ooh, I, I, I know it's coming out soon. I've heard good things about it, uh, but I've heard from from musical buffs, people who love the original, and they say it doesn't embarrass the original. It's okay. it's, it's not like you know remaking the Lion King or something like yeah, that. Yeah, because it used to be my favorite musical. One and I have some people who love musicals. They do get their favorites that they sort of waft and wane. At one point, that was at my absolute favorite musical, and I had two different versions of the soundtrack and I was more or less word perfect on all of them. <laughs> my favourite track is actually Boy, Boy, Crazy Boy. All right, okay. That's actually my favourite and G Officer Kropke. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you can have it... two more opposite songs. It... Oh, oh, West Side Story is out tomorrow. <laughs> okay, so that might be... I was going to round up using a Western expression. I was going to round up one of my friends and go and see that. So hopefully that could be this week. Yes, yes, yes. For, so from yeah, Ooh, okay, cool, yeah, okay. For me, when it comes to musicals, singing in the rain, all the way, <laughs> singing in the rain. It's uh, uh, yeah, and 
although I do feel like the sound of music is a bit transcendent. I've got to be honest with you. But <laughs> yeah, I've got yeah, but in my favorite, just I used to be Seven Brides with Seven Brothers at one point. Ooh, that was my favorite music. That's good. That's good. And if then, so I veer between. Yeah, my musical taste has changed, but I've got these favorites that I would sort of never. Sound of Music, yeah, great film. Or Clam to Jane, great. Lots of musicals I love. Yeah, yeah, I, I hear you on that. I hear in the musical friend that there's, there's, there's just a lot of good stuff. There's, I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot of good musicals. But anyway, until next yeah. week, when we shall bring you West Side Story via Sharon, <laughs> that bro Sharon, and possibly I might have to pull some trickery to go see Spider Man: um, No Way Home before we actually speak and before cinemas get shut down. Um, <laughs> I'm a, I'm a, I'm, I'm, I'm full of the joys of spring right now, but <laughs> like, um, yeah. Oh my god, look at that! It's on every, it's on all day. Spider Man: No Way Home. Until next week, we should bring you those films. It's a goodbye from me, and it's a goodbye for me. And it's like I think it's like Sawadee Krap from Sean in, in Thailand. Thank in you for Thailand. joining us. Yeah, we'll know whether he's out there for good. Yeah, we'll know if he's ever coming back. <laughs>